Welcome, brave listeners, to another frightening tale. If by chance you've written your own scary story and you'd like me to read it, please, by all means, submit it at frighteningtales.com. Today's tale, The Haunting, written by Donald King. It was four in the afternoon, but the sun was already down as Charlie pulled into a spot across the street from the old clapboard house. The air smelled of decay, fallen leaves long since faded to a November brown, damned the gutter leaving a rotten stew against the curb. He stepped over the morass and kicked his car door shut behind him. An old crow squawked angrily and launched itself off the perch on the power line. Charlie took a few more steps down the street, looking for a better way across the puddle before just deciding to jump. He probably should have worn boots, he thought to himself, but he figured they'd be uncomfortable to wear all night long. Eh, Better to have on a pair of sneakers, even if they did get a little wet on the way in. The trailer was already set up in the driveway and its rear door rolled open and the ramp down but he didn't see anyone around. So he headed slowly for the front door. He wasn't sure who he was looking for, just that her name was Jane something. Budgets on small TV shows were always tight, so the permanent crew of The Haunting consisted of the talent. The on-air host, Bob Mackey, and his sidekick, Dan, along with Jane, the director, and a lead video tech, The rest of the crew were all staffed locally. On a bigger show, that would be the lighting techs, videographers, gaffers, and caterers. On this show, it was all just Charlie. But still, the money was decent, and getting film credits on his resume sure couldn't hurt either. Charlie eased the front door open and leaned his head inside. Getting a look around, the furniture was old and mismatched. There was a rust-colored stain near the crown molding in the corner where the wallpaper was starting to peel. The musty smell made his nose itch. Hello? He called out. Jane? In here, came a faint reply from the back of the house. Charlie walked tentatively through the dimly lit room, careful not to touch anything. Beyond the living room was a small dining room with a white bedsheet thrown over what looked to be a table and chairs. There was light spilling under the door to what he presumes to be a kitchen. He pushed open the door and stood there a moment to let his eyes adjust. The woman was bent over the kitchen table, peering at a clipboard and scribbling notes. The older guy was measuring coffee into a filter of a beat-up Mr. Coffee on the counter. Charlie stood there feeling awkward and neither of them paying any attention. Hi, uh, I'm... He started to say, but the woman's hand shot up for him to stop. She went back to the clipboard and added another note before straightening up and turning to face him. Sorry, I'm Jane. I just needed to finish that before I lost my train of thought. You're Charlie, right? Yeah, uh, I just got here. Uh, What can I do? 
She pointed at the older guy and said, Johnny can take you out to the truck to collect your equipment in a sec. In the meantime, let me show you around, tell you what we're looking for. She took a step towards the door, stopped, turned, and reached back for her papers. You do know the story of this house, right? She asked as she pushed past him into the dining room. Yeah, uh, kind of. Everyone around here knows something. Uh, a guy killed his wife and kids here a few years back. House has been vacant ever since. It was all over the news for a while. Biggest thing to happen here in, like, forever. She paused at the entry to the living room. The father refused to plead insanity. He swore up and down that he wasn't crazy and that the house was haunted. Uh, demons talked to him in his dreams. Sounds pretty much like the definition of crazy to me, but I just film TV shows. <laughs> what do I know? He got sent away for life. She started walking again. Anyway, as far as we know, nothing interesting happened on this floor, so no sense wasting any equipment down here. Just get some panos with the handheld before we do the intro. She marched through the living room, pointing at the stain by the ceiling without pausing. And get some shots of that. Then she bounded up the stairs, taking them two at a time. Charlie had to jog to catch up. The upstairs was a standard four-square layout with a central hall and rooms in each corner. The single bathroom was at the end of the hall at the back of the house. The murders all happened up here, so we'll want cams in all these rooms at some point. Let's start with the two front rooms, infrared, full-spectrum, EMFs, EVPs. The whole nine yards. Charlie was peering into what looked to be a child's room. EMFs? Electromagnetic field sensors. Johnny can show you how to set those up. She had already turned to head back down the stairs when he stopped her. Oh wait, what was that other thing? VIPs? EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. Johnny will set you up with those as well. She took another step down and then stopped. Oh yeah, oh, there's supposed to be access to the attic around here somewhere. I'd like to get an EVP up there too. All these old houses creak. It would be good to get some recordings of that. We can usually modulate the hell out of those to make it sound like voices. And with that, she was back down the stairs and headed for the cellar. He apparently dismembered the bodies down here, somewhere, and burned them in the furnace, so we'll definitely want cams set up in here as well. Not too close to the junction box, that plays havoc with the EMFs. Charlie glanced around the unfinished basement, it sure was creepy. Cobwebs in the corners, some old cardboard boxes stacked against the wall, and behind the stairs was a rusty-looking baby carriage. Jane saw him looking at it and said, Get some shots of that, too. And then turned and tromped back up the stairs. He followed her up and into the kitchen where the older guy was pouring himself a cup of coffee. Jane waved Charlie over. Charlie, this is Johnny. Johnny? Charlie. Johnny will set you up with whatever you need. Everything should be in place before Bob and Dan get here around seven. Are you familiar with the drill? No, this... This is my first time. I'm, I'm guessing we hunker down somewhere and monitor the cams, waiting for something to appear. She looked at him like he had just said something incomprehensibly stupid. Johnny just smirked. Yeah, no. We'll shoot the intro with Bob in the front porch, and then we'll do a walkthrough of the house while he describes the murders. After that, we'll get a few shots of Dan pretending to look at the meters. Oh, he won't go up there, but if you can fit, 
get some film of him peering around the attic. Then they'll go for dinner while we review what we've got and decide if we need more takes. They'll swing back around ten or so and we'll reshoot whatever we need. After that, you're mostly on your own. Just keep your cell handy. Johnny will probably need you to rock on some floorboards at some point. Uh, maybe go outside and shine a flashlight at the window. And then when he's ready, you can move the cams to the back bedroom so that we can get some footage of those. Why don't we just set cams up in all the rooms up front? What if we miss something? She gave him that look again. Johnny should have everything he needs by two or three, and then we break it all down and lock it back up in the trailer for the night. Tomorrow we just have to shoot the wrap with Bob and Dan, and get whatever extra footage we may need. We should have you out of here before midnight. Johnny nudges Charlie's foot with his toe. You want some coffee, kid? It's gonna be a long night. Charlie looked at the time on his phone for what seemed like the seventh time in the last ten minutes. Still barely midnight. He lay on one of the beds trying to nap, but he kept getting creeped out by the setting. Maybe if he just closed his eyes and tried not to think about anything. Charlie bolted up in bed. He looked around. Was someone there? Or had he actually nodded off and dreamed it? He looked at his phone again. 12.07 a.m. He didn't think he could have fallen asleep that fast. And then he heard a creak on the stairs like someone was trying to sneak up. He hopped off the bed and stood frozen in the middle of the room until Johnny's head peered around the door and locked eyes with Charlie. There you are. I texted you. You were supposed to keep your cell with you. He seemed a little bit peeved. He stepped into the doorway holding a six volt battery duct taped to the end of a pool cue. Charlie lifted up his phone to show Johnny. I never got a text. You got a charger? My battery's low. Maybe that's why I didn't come through. Whatever. I need you to go down to the living room and run this slowly across the ceiling. Start about a foot past the sofa in an arc, ending at that stain in the corner. Just give me a few minutes to get back to the trailer. How fast should I move it? Charlie asked. I don't know. Slow. Like the speed of a small child walking. Use your imagination. Johnny thrust the stick at Charlie. And then you need to check the EMF in the basement. It's acting squirrely. Make sure it isn't next to any electronics. Maybe you move it. Charlie double-checked his text messages and then followed Johnny down the stairs and plopped down on the sofa, figuring Johnny would text him to let him know when to start. Charlie jerked upright, his eyes darting around the room. What the hell was that? Had he really fallen asleep again that quickly? Ah, oh, crap. Johnny's gonna be pissed. He got up and looked around for the pool cue, and when he felt his phone buzz, it was a text from Johnny. Got it loud and clear, thanks. Check on that EMF now, would ya? It's still acting up. Wait, what about the battery? Charlie responded. A thumbs up emoji was all that he got back. Charlie trudged over to the basement and opened the door. That musty smell greeted him as he flipped the light switch. Nothing happened. 
He flipped it off and on again, but it still did nothing. So he pulled out his phone and he opened the flashlight app. It was pretty dim with his phone at only 10%, but he could see the stairs well enough to keep from tripping and the light from the living room was helping a little bit. He remembered where he'd put the EMF. It was just a meter, so no line of sight like a camera. So he laid it in the old baby carriage. Hmm, maybe there was a magnet in there he didn't notice. Or maybe the rusting metal was acting like a conductor. Anyway, he got to the last step and shined his light back under the stairs, but the carriage wasn't there. That's weird. He moved the light around the room, but it barely illuminated a few feet in front of him, so he slowly started to inch his way around. There, over by the furnace, was a shadow. He inched towards it, holding his phone at arm's length in front of him. He could just make out the outline of the stroller. Had Johnny moved it? He wondered. He didn't remember seeing him do that. Hmm, maybe he just forgot. That was probably what was causing it to go haywire, though. He reached for the handle when he heard a foot creaking on the steps behind him. And then the basement door swung shut. been listening to The Haunting, generously donated by Donald King to all of you. Presented by Master Storyteller, Mark Wilhelm. We do hope you've enjoyed this frightening tale, and if you should find yourself in possession of uh, your own frightening tale, do share it at frighteningtales.com for a future episode. Only submit stories you own, yada, 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 legal, legal, something, something. Don't be evil. Do tune in again next time for another scary moment, if you're brave enough. <laughs>